Well, good morning, LifePoint. You may be seated. My name is Pastor George, and I am back from my sabbatical, well-rested, ready for the holidays. Put on your running shoes because we're going to have fun as we run through, as I like to do this message. But before we get there, if you are here for the very first time, a special welcome to you. Glad that you are spending time with us this Sunday morning. If uh, you have any needs, we have a text number because we try to do this COVID safe. Uh, 94,000. You can ask for prayer through that. You can get involved in a small group through that number. Uh, You can uh, begin to do ministry or at least inquire about ministry through that number. So if you could just pull out your cell phones, if you need anything, you can do that. Now we're getting ready for Christmas. Part of my sabbatical was just spending some time thinking through the holidays, and we've got, uh, as we always do here at LifePoint, our Christmas tree lighting, and it's December 6th from 5 to 6.30. I want you to get that on your calendars. It's all going to be outside. It's going to be COVID safe, and it's going to be, there's going to be something for everyone there. And so I want to encourage you again, get it on your calendars. We're going to continue to practice our traditions to bring us stability during these changing times, okay? And invite your friends because it's going to be a blast for everyone. Today, we're going to continue on in our series that we started several weeks ago called Conversations with God. In the beginning of that series, we took a look about prayer, and in essence, how prayer is about a relationship. It is not about rules, regulations, and rituals. It is about a relationship, and that relationship is supposed to be filled with conversations. Prayer is a conversation with God and not a ceremony. After that, we took a look at the goodness of God because the foundation for prayer being answered honestly is that we've got a good Father and He is good all the time. The following week, we looked at how to have a complete prayer, a purposeful prayer. Today, we're going to take a look at how you and I can be in conversation with God all day long. When you look at the Apostle Paul, It's pretty obvious that he prayed all the time. Almost every one of his epistles start off with the phrase like, I'm always praying for you. I'm continually in prayer. I never stop praying for you. Uh, I'm praying without ceasing. How in the world do you do that? Well, he gives us some hints out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, where he says, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers, asking for everything that you need. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up, and always pray for all of God's people. In this verse alone, he gives us seven instructions, and the first one, if you and I are going to be in conversation with God all throughout the day, is that we got to pray in the Spirit. Now, what in the world does that mean? It means you let God lead you. If he puts an impression on your heart, you pray or talk with him about that. Meaning that there is no bad time in talking to God. Then he says, pray "Pray with all kinds of prayers. In other words, there's not one prayer that covers everything. 
I don't know if you realize this, but in the book of Psalms, there is a prayer for every emotion, for crying emotions. There are crying prayers. There are compassionate prayers. There are uh, celebrating prayers. There are courageous prayers. There are confessing prayers. There are all kinds of prayers. One prayer doesn't cover everything. Then he says, ask for anything that you want. What does that mean? It means this, if you're interested in it, guess what? So is God. Then he says, always be ready. What does that mean? It means that you have to be prepared. And in order to be prepared, you have to have a plan. You can't, have a, you can't be prepared unless you have a plan. Then he goes on and he says, don't give up. In other words, never stop. And then he says, pray for all of God's people. That is why in this series, I am asking you to pray. You may have one of these. Hopefully you have it on your refrigerator somewhere. It, to pray for our new pastor, our successor. To pray for missions for all God's people that are throughout the world. And pray about what you want to give. We always give at the end of the year. Pray for yourself. What area do you want to grow in? Pray for other people that you're wanting to reach right here in your community that you want to invite, maybe to our Christmas tree lighting or, or to our um, uh, holiday series, okay, Christmas series. And then pray for LifePoint, for us as a church. There are all kinds of prayers, and God wants us to pray for everybody. Now, you can do that in a minute or two. It doesn't take long to do all those things. But how do you do it all day long? Well, there are a couple of different ways. The first one is this. Will you write this down? By keeping a, a running conversation with God. You talk to God like you talk to yourself. Do you realize that you talk to yourself more than you talk to anybody else? And when you answer yourself, you're not crazy either because God answers himself, okay? You talk to God and have a running conversation. You don't end it by saying amen. No, you, talk, you just talk like you breathe. Prayer is to your soul like air is to your body. Now, to pray conversationally, what do you do? You do two things. You talk about what you're doing with God, and you talk about how you feel with God. It is not a formal prayer. You're sitting down, you're watching TV. I'm watching TV, and I say, God, do you think that's funny? I really don't think that's funny, God. I'm just having a conversation with God. I'm watching a National Geographic show, and I say, oh, God, that is just dead gorgeous. I love to, to watch National Geographic, especially about Alaska. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. Pray on every occasion as the Spirit leads. As I said before, you can talk to God anywhere, anytime, about anything. And you can talk with Him about your feelings. Now here is a thought for you. If you don't feel like praying, maybe it means that you're not praying your feelings. If the only time I pray is when I, when I pray about stuff that I think God wants to hear, folks, that becomes very boring. And so I won't pray. But if I pray about what I'm feeling, that's a different scenario. God, I'm nervous right now. God, I'm afraid. God, I'm mad. God, I'm confused. I'm tired. 
When you and I communicate to our feelings, folks, we're more likely to be praying continuously. And so when you don't feel like praying, pray what you're feeling. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, never stop praying. Pray continuously about what you're doing and how you feel. Now there is another way. Will you write this down? Schedule prayer time throughout the day. This morning I'm going to teach you a very simple way to do that. This is not a new idea. From the very beginning of time, people have been setting aside different times to pray. A little over a year ago, when we went through the book of Daniel and we took a look at his life, he prayed three times a day, morning, noon, and night. Now, what you may not realize, though, historically, is that when the Roman Empire took over the known world, what they did in the country, countries that they conquered was that they built a bell tower in the town square and they rang that bell tower six seven times throughout the day the first ringing of the bell was at 6 a.m it was called prime time it was called the first hour it was communicating to the surrounding area hey it's time to go to work about 9 a.m they rang the bell again called it the third hour When you read the Bible, especially about the crucifixion of Christ, it says that he hung on the cross on the sixth hour. That's about noon. And then he was there on that cross until the ninth hour, which is about 3 p.m. How we know that is because Rome would build these bell towers and they would ring them about every three hours. They did this wherever they went. So this is what happened. The Jews and the Christians started using the Roman bells for times of prayer. And there are books, literally volumes of books, on prayer about different hours throughout the day. They're called the Liturgy of Hours. And the Catholic Church still practices it today. Now what is interesting is that over time, as Christianity spread, monks built monasteries, and guess what they built in them? Bell towers. And they would ring them periodically to remind themselves to pray. Now, after a period of time, they thought, you know what, this is a waste of manpower, right? we got to have a guide there all day ringing that bell. Let's build a mechanism that will ring the bell at specified times. And they did. And they called that mechanism clock, which stands for bell in Latin. Clocks were invented to remind us to pray, not so that we have a more hurried life. And you find in the Bible that people prayed throughout their day. David in Psalms 119 verse 64 says, seven times a day I praise you. Now like I said, daily times of prayer is not a new thing. And there are volumes of it that are very complicated. Today what I want to do is I want to teach you a more simple way that you can pray throughout the day based on the seven phrases of the Lord's prayer. 
The Lord's Prayer is a model prayer. Jesus gave it to us to teach us how to pray. Not what to pray, but rather how to pray. It is a model prayer. And so I am going to take your typical day, and I'm going to show you how you can use the seven phrases of the Lord's Prayer and pray throughout your day. Starting with the time you wake up, when you're at the breakfast table, mid-morning, noon, mid-afternoon, when you come home in the evening, and then before you go to bed. Are you ready? Let's get started. Number one, will you write this down? When the alarm rings, you get up with gratitude. Before you have breakfast, before you turn on the news, before you turn on the radio, you tell God all the things that you are grateful for. Now, folks, this is extremely important because you have a choice about the attitude that you're going to have throughout your day. You can wake up grumpy if you want. I generally allow my wife to sleep in, okay, so uh, I I can cover that base. Oh, come on, that was good. I've been working on that one for at least a couple of weeks, okay? Oh, thank you. I feel so welcome. You can either wake up grumpy or you can wake up grateful. Doctors tell us that the healthiest emotion that you can have is an attitude of gratitude. It's actually good for your health, your mental health, your spiritual health, your relational health, your, 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 uh, all kinds of health. In fact, psychologists have shown that the attitude that you have for the day is set in the first eight minutes. Do you want to be grumpy all day, or do you want to be grateful? Getting up with an attitude of gratitude, with an attitude of worship like that, is going to set your attitude for the whole day. Now, what this does is it focuses us on our loving Father. Papa God. Abba Father, who has given us all our good gifts. And we talked about this in the second message. Take a look at how Jesus prefaces the Lord's Prayer. He said, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So then this is how, circle how, you should pray, our Father in heaven. Start with thinking about God and his goodness towards you. That he is a good God and that he is good all the time. He is caring. He is close. He is consistent. He is compassionate. Don't start your day with requests. Don't start your day with confessions. Start your day with things that you are grateful for. God, I just woke up. Thank you that I can potty. Thank you. Oh yeah, you can be really raw with God, right? Thank you, God, that I have indoor plumbing. Thank you for the sheets that I just came out of from Bowling Branch. Oh, they are so comfortable, oh God. Thank you for air conditioning and, and heating. Thank you for running water. Take a look at James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect present comes from your Father of light in heaven. And so this is the first thing that you do when you get out of bed. Will you write this down? I thank my Father in heaven for his consistent love, and I recall all the ways that he is good 
to me. Now, after you're up, you've brushed your teeth, you've taken your shower, you've put on your clothes, you come to the breakfast table. And the second thing that you do is this. Will you write this down? You bless God's name at breakfast. You've gone from getting up to going to the breakfast table. And what you do is you pray the second phrase of the Lord's prayer and you bless his name. Now, what does it mean to bless? It means to honor. It means to adore. It means to respect. It means to praise. Our Father in heaven, guess what? You are a good God. You are a good God all the time. Because the second phrase of the Lord's Prayer is, hallowed be your name. What does hallowed mean? It means holy. It means I'm going to respect your name. I'm going to praise your name. I am going to honor your name. Notice what the psalmist says in Psalms 145 and verse 2. Every day I will bless your name and praise it forever and ever. Will you circle the word every day? Not just on Sundays, uh, but Sunday through Saturday. If you read through the Psalms, it mentions praising God's name over 80 times in the Psalms. It says, bless the name of the Lord. Give thanks to the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be sitting there and you may be thinking, well, what's the big deal about a name? Well, your name is who you are. It is your character. If you go to a bank to, to get a loan, guess what? It's based on your name. If you got a good name, you have a high credit score and you get the best rate. If you've got a bad name, you will have a low credit score and you will get a worse rate. One of the things that you understand as you read through the Bible is that people were named based upon their character. Isaac had a son named Jacob, and he was a schemer. Man, he was a trickster. And so Jacob means swindler. There's a name mentioned in the Bible of a, a, a child who gave his mother pain at birth, and they called him Jabez, which means painful. I, I think maybe all of us should be named Jabez, okay? But, but it's painful. It was given to them based on their character. And yet when it comes to God, folks, he is multidimensional. There is no one name that adequately describes him. Truly in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are hundreds of names in Hebrew and Greek. For instance, I, God says, I am Abba, Father. You can call me Father. I am El Dia, Knowing. You can call me Knowing. I am Jehovah Rapha. I'm Healer. You can call me Healer. I'm El Shaddai. I'm Almighty. I am Jehovah Jireh. I'm your provider. There's all kinds of names that you can refer to when you talk to God. Now here is the point. Will you write this down? All prayer is based on how much you know God. The more you know God, the more comfortable you're going to be in talking to God. In fact, the more you know God, the more comfortable you're going to be with yourself. The reason why people have identity crisis in our culture today basically is because they don't know 
who God is. So what does all this mean, simply? These different names of God. One word, trust. Psalms 9.10 says this, Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never abandoned those who truly seek you. And so when you wake up in the morning, you wake up and you talk to God. You have an attitude of gratitude. You you come to the breakfast table and you bless the name of the Lord. This is how you and I are to start our day. And the first eight minutes are absolutely critical. Now you are off to work. And it's the third phrase of the Lord's Prayer. Let your kingdom come, God. Let your will be done. This warrior is ready for the day. This is the third phase of the Lord's Prayer. And that is what you're going to do midway through your morning. Mid-morning. Halfway through, you take a coffee break. Around 10 a.m. And you say a little prayer. Now, why would you want to do something like that? Well, have you discovered that by mid-morning, you feel like you haven't gotten anything done? You've had one interruption after another interruption. You've had one person come in your office as you're trying to get your thoughts together for a message after another, and your whole day has just been shot down. You ever feel like that? Or am I the only one here? This is why you pray. You've lost focus of the big picture. And so you pray. And that prayer doesn't have to be a long prayer. So will you write this down? At midday, you remember what matters most. You remember the big picture. And you pray, in essence, the third phrase of the Lord's Prayer. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that phrase is a redundant phrase. Because where God's kingdom comes, guess what? God's will is done. And wherever God's will is done, God's kingdom has come. And so at mid-morning, you remind yourself of what matters most. This is a prayer of dedication. Will you write this down? I align myself with God's purposes and plans for my life at midday. You come and you pray. God, there are some things that are bigger than my job. My job is important. No ifs, ands, buts about that. But you've got a bigger purpose for my life than just my job. You see, God has a universal purpose for this whole world. History is moving towards a climax. History is not circular like the Lion King says. No, history is linear. It has a beginning and it has an end. And it is moving in God's direction. And so you remind yourself of the bigger picture. And you rededicate yourself to the bigger purposes of God. Now why is that important when you are in the middle of your workday? Well, 
Take a look at Matthew 6, verse 33. If you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, all the other things will be given to you as well. God is saying, you know what? If you just line up your life according to my plan and my purposes, I'll help you get your work done. When you are in the middle of your morning, and you're seeing your purposes or your plans for the day just being shot down, and you're saying, I'm just not going to have enough time to get it all done. Put God first. I just don't have the resources to complete this project. Put God first. I just don't have the personnel. They're all out sick. Put God first. I don't have the wisdom. Put God first. And so in mid-morning, you just remind yourself of what God wants you to do and that it is more important than what you want to do. Now we come to lunchtime. Oh boy, my favorite part of the day. And at lunchtime, you do this. Will you write this down? You list your needs at lunch. You're eating one of my favorite sandwiches. I love McDonald's. I don't care what you all say. My, is my wife in this room? Can I say this? My double, my McDouble with two iced teas. And I have self-control because I don't eat french fries with it, okay? And you're eating that McDouble between two pieces of bread. And it is a reminder to you of the fourth phrase of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I'm seeking your purposes. And you've told me that if I do that, you're going to meet all my needs. And that is in the Lord's Prayer through the word bread. What does the word bread mean? It means all you need. It could mean the resources that you need. It could mean the contacts that you need. It could mean the contracts that you need. It could mean, hey, the wife or the uh, husband that I need. It could mean the boyfriend or the girlfriend that I need. Folks, it can mean anything that you need or want. And the Bible says that you and I need to pray this prayer on a daily basis. Give us this day our daily bread, not weekly bread, not monthly bread, not yearly bread, but daily bread. Why is that? Because he wants us to trust him moment by moment. He knew that if we, he gave us everything that we need right up front, folks, we wouldn't trust him. And so what God does in our life is he gives it to us little by little. The Hebrews that left Egypt and following Moses to the promised land wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and God provided them on a daily basis. And so at noontime, you pray. And you pray over two areas. You ask God to meet needs in two areas. Will you write these down? The first one is this. You ask for anything that you need. Anything. Because whatever you're interested in, God is interested in. And then the second one, will you write this down? You ask for what other people need to do. When you ask for your needs, it's called petition. When you ask 
what other people need. It's called intercession. God wants you and I to do both of those things at noontime. You ask for what you need, petition, and you ask for what other people need, intercession. Take a look at this verse, 1 Samuel 12, 23. I'd be sinning against the Lord if I failed to pray for you. If I, as your pastor, did not pray for you, I would be sinning against the Lord. And I want you to know, I pray for you. In fact, while I was on sabbatical, though I unplugged my brain, I did not unplug my spirit. And I prayed for you over the whole sabbatical because I love you and I don't want to sin against you and I don't want to sin against the Lord. God wants us not only to pray for ourselves, but he wants us to pray for others. It's interesting in this phrase, it says, give us, will you circle that word? Give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't say, give me. <laughs> oh, it's all about me, myself, and I, okay? Bread, no, give us our daily bread. One of the things I want to encourage you that you can do and start your own ministry, and you don't even have to be at the church to do this, is our card-carrying ministry. We've got about 15 people that are signed up that are just writing cards to people that they know in their life, their neighborhoods, at their workplace, and just writing them encouraging notes and saying, I'm praying for you. Do you know what difference that can make in a person's life who's feeling all alone? And you could do that. If you're interested, sign up. Paul, or Peter, um, advances this. Take a look at 2 Peter 1.3. Jesus has the power of God by which he gives us, circle that word, everything we need to live and to serve God. We have these things, things because we know him. Sometimes by noon, I don't know about you, but I'm stressed out. The copy machine doesn't work. People that you wanted to talk to take vacation. Can you believe that? Or they're sick. Or the boss changes his mind. And you're just stressed out. If you will take just 30 seconds out of your day to remind yourself of the fourth phrase, your whole afternoon will go better. You will have more peace and you will have more patience because you took a little time to pray. You just don't need food for your body. You need food for your soul. Now this leads us to the mid-afternoon. You've gone back to work. It's mid-afternoon. You want to take a nap, don't you? That food has hit your stomach. You are sluggish. Those people that you've been dealing with in your office have been frustrating the living daylights out of you. And if you're sitting next to them right now, don't look at them, okay? And some sins are piling up in your life. The fifth thing that you do is this. Will you write this down? I ask for forgiveness in the afternoon. In the middle of the day, you take a potty break. You go to the restroom and you get into the stall. You think of that stall like a confessional booth. And you say to God, God, is there anything that you want to clean out of me right now? 
Now, you're, I know I'm going to get some emails, George, that was so gross, but you're going to remember it, aren't you? <laughs> God, is there anything that needs to be cleaned out in my life? Is there any sin in my life? Whatever you do, you don't want to carry that sin throughout the rest of your day. You don't want, definitely you don't want to carry it home with you. You confess it. This is the fifth statement of the Lord's Prayer. Take a look, Matthew 6, 14. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, like I said, the Lord's Prayer is a model prayer. It's not something that you and I have been commanded to pray every day. I mean, we can, but God isn't into routine prayers. Not one prayer will cover everything. He's this, he gives this as a model prayer, and he says, this is how you should pray. And in this prayer are all kinds of different prayers. There is the prayer of thanksgiving. There's the prayer of adoration. There is the prayer of dedication. There is the prayer of petition and uh, intercession. And now we have the prayer of confession. What do you do in the prayer of confession? You own up to all your wrong attitudes and wrong actions. And while you're doing that, you forgive those who have just frustrated the living daylights out of you at your office or at your workplace. Now, because this is a political career, I thought of this phrase. As your pastor, I want you to read my lips. Remember that phrase? There is never any reason to walk around feeling guilty if you know the Lord. There's never any reason. You've heard me say this before. You should carry guilt about one to two seconds. There is never any reason to walk around feeling guilty if you know the Lord. Some people think it's more spiritual to feel guilty. There's a Greek word for that. It's called baloney. God did not design your body to carry guilt. In fact, doctors of psychology tell us that a lot of people are in psych wards due to one of two things, guilt or resentment. Guilt for the things that they've done wrong, resentment for the things that have been done wrong to them. You and I are not more spiritual walking around feeling guilty. All that will do is make us feel more miserable. And so every day, you and I need to take out the garbage by confessing it. Take a look at Psalms 32, verse 5. I confessed my sins to you and didn't try to hide them. Then you forgave me, and now all my guilt is gone. When I take my car to get an oil change, there is a little sign in the waiting room, a clean engine produces more power. That is not only true for your engine in your car, that is true for the engine that is inside of you. The cleaner you are on the inside, the more power you're going to have. When you let sin accumulate in your life, it bogs down your engine. It's like taking air out of the tires and you just kind of pull through the day. And so you want to confess. You come to the Father halfway through your afternoon. You get in that stall and you say, God, I want a clean engine. 
Now you've come to the end of the day. The end, I should say, of your work day. You get in your car. You drive home. You pull into the driveway. And before you get out of the car and walk in, you stop and you do the sixth thing. Will you write this down? You ask God to give you wisdom in making wise decisions. Do you realize that most arguments happen just before dinner? They do. And there's two reasons. One is physiological and one is physical. Physiologically, your blood sugar is at its lowest. And so you're a little edgy. But on top of that, you are tired and fatigued from your day. And so it's easy to come in and yell at your spouse who then yells at the kids, who then kicked the dog, who, and the dog chases the cat, and the cat jumps up on the table and knocks over the lamp, and what a way to start the evening, right? So you want to stop before you go into the house, and you want to ask God, God, I want you to give me wisdom for my day. Folks, I've been doing this almost as long as I've been a follower of Christ. Definitely after I started to have kids. And I still do it today. Before I walk into the house, park the car in the garage, before I get out, say, God, give me wisdom to meet the needs of my family, that I don't say anything stupid and that I don't do anything stupid. And so you stop before you go in. This is based on the sixth phrase of the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us uh, from the evil one. When you are tired, when your resources get low, folks, it is easy to say things that you should not say. It is easy to think things that you should not think. It is easy to do things that you should not do. It is easy to hurt the people that you absolutely love the most. And so you want to stop before you go into the house. And you want to pray, God, give me wisdom to make the right decisions. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, my worst temptations come in the evening through two things. The TV, when I watch news, makes me madder than a hornet. Sometimes I lose my Christianity. And the other one is the refrigerator. I can keep a diet from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. No problem whatsoever. When I get up early in the morning, my mind's turning. I'm talking to God. I'm off. I'm busy. I'm making decisions, whatever. But when I get home at 5 p.m. to 10 a.m., I'm watching TV. I'm getting bored. I get upset. I need to medicate myself. I go to the refrigerator. I eat food. Something sweet, something salty, something salty, something sweet. All night long. Two big temptations. Now, God has given us some promises in regards to this. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what other people experience. Now, let's stop right there. Because what Paul just said is good news. He's saying no one is ever alone. A lot of times we think, I'm the only one that struggles with this. And the devil likes to play off that. Aloneness furthers defeat. And he goes on. 
and God is faithful, he will keep the temptation from uh, becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, and this is the great promise, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. Anybody who says, you know what, I just couldn't help myself. Folks, it's just not telling the truth. Because God says here, I will provide a way out. Now to understand this promise, there are two truths that you need to keep in mind. The first one is this. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation. Don't misunderstand me, but it's not a sin to be tempted. You and I can't control the thoughts that go into our brain. And so it's not a sin to have a thought just pop in. It's a sin when you and I choose to dwell on it, which leads to the second truth. And it's this. You have a choice what you dwell on. You can't control whether the birds fly over your hair, head, but you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. You have a choice on what you dwell on. And so when you come home in the evening, you ask God, God, Give me wisdom to choose the right things. Finally, you come to the end of your day. You're getting ready for bed. You've brushed your teeth. You've put on your PJs. You have slipped be- between those sheets that you got from Bolin Branch. You think, I woke up today in conversation with God. I have talked with God all throughout my day. I'm coming to the end of my day. And what is it that you do then before you shut your eyes? Will you write this down? I end my day with an encouraging truth. You remind yourself of some good words from God, a promise from God. This is called a prayer of benediction. And in Matthew 13, Jesus states it like this. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. You tell yourself something good about God's work. If you think about that good promise, if you think about this phrase, I guarantee you this you will sleep like a baby. Because in that short phrase are three fundamental truths. The first one is simply this, that God is in control. Politicians are not in control. Nations are not in control. Your boss isn't even in control. God is in control. Proverbs 21 says, the king's heart is like a channel of water. He directs it wherever he wishes. The second truth is that this is not the end of the story. And the third one is, God wins in the end. And if you are in God's family, guess what? You win with God. And what that means practically is if you are ending your day Before you go to sleep, watching TV, you're going to be feeling bummed. But if you end your day thinking, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. God, you are in control. The story isn't done yet, even with what I'm dealing with at work or life. And you win, and because I'm on your team, I win. I guarantee you this, you're going to wake up a whole lot better 
I'm just watching TV. So, you sit here and you think, George, how in the world am I going to remember this? Well, you can pull out your Bible and read the Lord's Prayer. Or, if you want, I have little cheat sheets back there at the guest center, and you can pull them out a little and they go right in your pocket as you begin to develop this habit of being continually in prayer throughout your day. And you can take that to help you. The other objection is this, George, I am just so busy. Well, let me just say this. If you're too busy where you can't stop throughout your day for 30 seconds and talk to God, then guess what? You're too busy. Now, I want to end with this. This is a model prayer. And if you will pray this prayer, you will have more peace, more energy, more wisdom. You will feel closer to God. You will have a better life. You will have a better marriage. You will have a better family. You will, we will have a better church. But you and I have to practice this. 150 years ago, there was a woman named Mary Ann Kidder. Do you know who she is? Probably not. She was a woman from Boston who lost her husband in the Civil War at the Battle of Antietam, one of the bloodiest battles of the Civil War. Uh, Just a few months later, she lost her son in a drowning accident. And then a few years later after that, she lost her only surviving daughter. She had one calamity after another calamity after another calamity. And in her grief, she began to write hymns. She's written over a thousand hymns. And one of the hymns that she has written is called, Did You Think to Pray? And I want to read this as we close. When you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? In the name of Christ, our Savior, did you ask for loving favor as a shield today? When you met with great temptation, did you think to pray? By his dying love and merit, did you claim the Holy Spirit as your guide and stay? When your heart was filled with anger, did you think to pray? Did you you plead for grace, my brother, and you might forgive another who had crossed your way? When strong trials came upon you, did you think to pray? As your heart was filled with sorrow, did the love of Christ you borrow at the gates today? And then the chorus, oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change your night today, so when life seems dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. What I just taught you will change your life. If you practice it, let's pray.